Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Guys, it is super exciting to be with you. My name is Harvey. If you've just tuned in with us online, I am the youth pastor here at Life Central. Um, And I'm privileged to share with you today a message that I think is super relevant, whether you are a Christian and you've been in church for a while, or if you've never been in church before, I think it is something to do with people. Um, And so I want to tell you a bit about myself. You know that I'm the youth pastor, but see, youth work has always been a part of my life. I've always been involved in different youth things. My parents were my youth workers when I was younger. As you can imagine, that turned out interestingly. Um, And so they were my youth workers, which meant I went along to a load of different youth events growing up. And one of the things we did every year, we went on this youth retreat. And so we'd go over to Swansea, we'd spend some time at this retreat. And one of the activities they do every year is they do this huge bonfire, okay? And they do it a little bit away from the venue just to make sure no one burned anything down. Um, And so we had this big bonfire going on. I remember one year, I'd been at this bonfire. It was fun. We toasted marshmallows. We drank hot chocolate, all of that. But I decided, you know what? I was fed up with this. I wanted to go back to the venue, grab myself a Diet Coke and chill out. Um, And so I decide, I'm going to leave the bonfire. I'm going to walk back to the venue. And so there's a five-minute walk between the bonfire and the venue. And what I realized as I started to walk, see, there was a a lot of people offering to walk with me so that I didn't have to walk on my own. And I was like, you know what? I got here on my own, so I'll be able to get back on my own. But as I started to walk, here's what I realized. It was pretty dark. It's a bit of a a visual thing for you. It's not very visual for me right now. And so I decided, you know what, I'll walk from point A, the fire, to B, the venue. And I'll be okay. I'll be able to walk that distance. And so I start walking. And what I realize is it's really, really dark. And so I'm freaking out a little bit because there's some stuff in the daytime that could have been dangerous, but it didn't seem too dangerous because it was daytime and I could see it. So for example, the bonfire that we'd had, it was on like the edge of a cliff. And so we were at this cliff and it's overlooking the beach. And so I'm walking back and thinking, what if I just take one step in the wrong direction? I could end up falling and losing my life off the edge of a cliff. Like it feels a little bit like the stage might feel this morning. I'm trying to, (laughs) so if it goes wrong, I'm sorry already. Um, And so it felt a little bit scary. Then I started to think, well, we're in Wales, and so there's loads of sheep everywhere. What if some of the sheep start ganging up on me? Like, no one would find me in the night. It was so dark. They'd find me in the morning, just covered in wool. Like, not going to be a good time. So I'm freaking out about these things. See, what I realized is in the dark, it's really hard to tell which is the right direction and which is the wrong direction. And then on top of that, there's dangers because when we lose the direction that we're heading in, we can put ourselves in danger with some of our decisions as well, not knowing fully where we're going. And see, I think for some of us, we can live life just like this. We can live life in the darkness. Maybe today you're in a place where it feels a little bit unknown. Maybe you've lost a job and so you're thinking to yourself, well, what do I do next? Where do I go next? Maybe it's a friendship or a family member who brought you a lot of hope for the future and actually now that that relationship isn't there or maybe you lost someone, that actually the future seems a little bit more scary. Maybe it's actually just that life has gotten so repetitive that actually when you think of the future and when you think about life going forward, you don't feel as excited anymore. It feels a little bit like you're in the dark. Or maybe you're a Christian here today. And so 
maybe right now it feels like it's more difficult to connect with God. Like in the past, it felt like God was at work in your life, but now it's difficult. Or maybe you're literally in the dark because you're trying to save money on electric because of the cost of living. I realize I could be walking too far. We'll see. Um, Because of cost of living. And so maybe you're physically living in the dark in order to save money. I don't know. But maybe there's some areas in your life where you are living in the dark this morning. And see, when you're in the dark, there can be times where that's pretty dangerous because there's some decisions that we might be faced with. When, when we don't know where we're heading, we can make a mistake or we can slip. And so what we're going to be talking about today is how do we deal with darkness? See, being in the dark is somewhere you either have been, you are, or you will be. You have been, you are, or you will be. And so how do we deal with that darkness? How do we keep moving forward in the right direction when we don't know exactly where we're heading? How do we remove some of the blindfold? It's brighter than I expected. So that we know exactly where it is that we are heading. And so we're going to look at the life of a guy called Daniel. And Daniel lived a lot of his life, I think, in the dark. It was uh, a difficult time for Daniel. Um, But he keeps moving in the same direction. He keeps moving where he's aiming to move. Um, But before we get to Daniel, we're going to look at a guy called Jeremiah, because I think it sets us up for the story pretty well. See, Jeremiah, he's a prophet, which means he hears from God, and he shares what he hears with the people around him. Um, And Jeremiah has this prophecy, this image of the future, about this town called Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is Daniel's hometown. This is like where he grows up. This is where he's going to live. And this is what it says in the Bible, Jeremiah's prophecy. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Don't know about you, it doesn't sound like the best hometown to grow up in. But this is where Daniel is growing up. And then we look at the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel explains exactly how this happens. Um, And so it says this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, like what a name, come on. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And so what's happened is to Daniel's hometown, it's been completely taken over. It's been destroyed. The king has been killed. And now Daniel is left with nothing. Like, I don't think it could get much worse for Daniel. But then what the king does, Nebuchadnezzar, is he decides, you know what, let's make the most out of this land. And so let's get all of the young men who are really strong and quite bright, let's get them together and take them to Babylon. And we'll teach them to be Babylonians instead of uh, people from Jerusalem. And so Daniel, he's pretty stacked up. He's been hitting the gym. He's got some head knowledge as well. So they go and find Daniel. And they grab him and some other guys from Jerusalem and they take them to Babylon to be trained as one of the Babylonians. And so, now here's Daniel. Now we often skip over this. We we like to look at Daniel in the lion's den. We like to look at some of the other stories in the book of Daniel. But see, we skip over the fact that Daniel's lost everything. Like he's not only just lost his king, he's lost his home, he's lost his sea. He's been moved to a place where he's expected to be trained as one of the enemy. His family, the people he knows are gone. The image that he might have pictured of the future is gone. Everything has changed for Daniel. It's like he's living in the darkness. And see, when we're in the dark like that, when it feels hopeless, when we don't know our direction, it can be so easy to want to give up. Um, 
I remember my first time driving around Birmingham. Now, we all know Birmingham's crazy to try and drive around. It might just be my driving. Um, but there's these huge roundabouts in Birmingham. And so I remember being with Iona, and we're trying to get to this coffee shop. And so we're driving around these big roundabouts, and I'm like, the, I know whereabouts in Birmingham this coffee shop is. And so I'm like trying to work out, how do I get to this coffee shop? So I'm driving around, going around these huge roundabouts. Every time I get to a roundabout, it seems like I'm in the wrong lane. I just get cut up, or I cut somebody else up. Like it doesn't end well. In fact, it resulted in my first car crash. I know. That's meant to be sadder than that. What's going on? Um, and so I'm like panicking. But see, in that moment, in my head, I thought, I know where the destination is. And so now I've just got to work out how to get there. But what I realized now would have been more helpful in that moment is not to be focusing on where I was heading, but to focus on what is the next right turn. Where am I supposed to head at this junction? Where am I supposed to turn off at this roundabout? Point number one is this. Take the next right turn. Take the next right turn. Um, and see, Daniel, he does just that. In Daniel's story, him and a few other guys from Jerusalem, they're taken to Babylon. Um, and see, because of what they believed about God and some of their customs, is they didn't eat meat. And so the king, he trains all of his people by giving them meat to eat and wine to drink. And they're like, actually, this isn't what we think is best. And so they go to the king. Here's what it says in Daniel 1 verse 12. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, the people who eat the meat, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. If we are strong, then treat us as if we are strong. If we are weak and we can't do our job, then treat us uh, and send us off, do whatever you want to do with us. So the king agrees to this and tested them for 10 days. And the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other men who ate the food, the royal food. Um, see, in a time of darkness, it would have been so easy for Daniel and the other Israelite men to just go along with what they were told. Like, they've already lost their home. They've lost any evidence of family or friends. They've lost everything that they knew. And now they're in this uh, town which they consider to be the enemy. And they're living in this way that actually... Now that they're in the hopelessness, surely it's easier to just go along with it. Like, there is no standard for what is normal now. It feels hopeless. It would have been so easy to just go along with it, to eat whatever, to do whatever they're told. See, maybe in that time it felt like hopelessness. Maybe it felt like even God had abandoned them. But see, what they did next is they decided to choose what is their next right turn. Even though they didn't know how it was going to work out, they decided what is the right decision for us to make in this moment. And see, maybe today, life seems uncertain. Maybe there's some areas of your life where the future seems so difficult, it seems uncertain, it seems hopeless. But maybe today... It isn't about finding the answers to it all. What if it isn't about finding a light in the darkness? What if it's just about taking the next right turn? And maybe today that just means taking a step towards somebody to help you alongside in, in your journey of hopelessness. Maybe that next step or taking the next right turn for you means coming along next Sunday and finding out a little bit more. Maybe it means joining our Alpha course and coming alongside some people who are discovering and journeying and working out what it is they believe about God, about faith, and about the future. Maybe that's your next right turn. But see, maybe today it isn't about finding the answer, 
But what if it's about taking the next right turn? Maybe there's some decisions that we need to make right now. And though we don't know the final answers, we can do some stuff right now that will help us towards our goals and towards our dreams. Or if we're Christians in the room, help us towards God. See, here's the question. When you're in the dark, what is your next right turn? What is your next right turn? We're going to move on. Point number two, look at who is with you. Look at who is with you. So point one, take the next right turn. Point two, look at who is with you. Um, When I was younger, I used to play basketball. I talk about it in pretty much every talk, so you're probably all aware. Um, But I used to play basketball. And see, the thing is, I used to get matched up against this guy who was really good at defense. Now, defense is like defense because it's an American sport. They say it weird. Um, And so I used to play against him, but he was really good. I couldn't get past him with the ball. It's like I couldn't get to the basket because he was so good. But see, the more I played against him, I realized I worked out some ways to get around him, and I could get to the basket. But as I got better at my offense, he got better at his defense, and he found out ways to block me. And what I realized is the more we played against each other, the better both of us got in different areas. See, we both wanted to develop. We both wanted to grow. We both wanted to get better at the sport. We wanted to work hard. And so we encouraged each other to do that by playing against each other. And see... When I look at this story in the Bible, I wonder how important those three other men would have been to Daniel. The three other men from Jerusalem, that in a culture that was so different to the one that they were from, to have three men who stood for what Daniel stood for, who celebrated the stuff that Daniel celebrated. I wonder how much they had to encourage each other, how much they spurred each other on. See, after that test with the food, um, here's what it says next. The king talked with them and found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them sometimes as um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so those four, they enter the king's service. And so when they're in the dark about the future, a place that seems hopeless, it seems confusing, they chose to look at who was around them, who was walking through the darkness with them. They encouraged each other that in light of what was happening around them, they encouraged each other to stay true to not only who they are and who they wanted to become, but to stay true to the God that they believed in. See, we need people around us who can encourage us when we're walking through times of darkness. And I wonder today if there's some people in the room and you're, you're walking through darkness, you're walking through hopelessness. But if you just looked around at some people who might be around you, then maybe we'd have somebody to walk through the darkness with. Now, don't get me wrong. If you look at the person on your left or the person on your right, they are not some sort of savior. Like, they're far from it. You can tell, right? Um, That's not what we're talking about today. But see, what church is and what church is created to be, it's not created to be a building that we just come along to, but it's a body of people, broken people, who at times feel like they're in the dark, but they come alongside each other. They walk with each other. They stand together, strengthening each other, encouraging each other. It is all backgrounds. It is all generations. It is all context. It is all ethnicities coming together as family. And so what would it look like if we looked around us to who is walking through with us? It says in the Bible, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so maybe for some people today, we need to find someone to walk through the darkness with us who will offer some positive advice. And here's the difficult part. There can be people who do the opposite. 
There can be people who do the opposite, who pull us away from our goals, away from our dreams, or if we're Christians, pull us away from Jesus. And here's a difficult thing, is maybe there's some influences in your life or some people in your life that maybe you need to not allow to have that level of influence over who you are in order to allow people who can walk alongside you to encourage you. Um, See, I remember when I was growing up... um, I, I hang out with a bunch of geeky friends, okay? We used to run around the playground. We'd play Sonic. So I'd be running around like, with my arms up in the air. Like, we'd play Sonic in the playground. Um, but when I moved to high school, I hung out with a different group of friends. And they were all musicians. Um, and so I used to like, put my black skinny jeans on, my check shirts. We'd sit out in the streets and we'd play guitar together. Um, and see, I realized I'd become more like them. And then I got into my sport. And so I started to drag, dress in uh, big, baggy, tracksuits instead and so I became more like those people see here's the thing we become like the people we spend the most time with we become like the people we spend the most time with maybe we need to get some people around us who are positive influences and who are helpful towards our goals our dreams or if we're Christians helpful in our walk with Jesus um And so we'll jump back into the story. We find these three men a little bit later. This time, Daniel's not with them. It's just the three men. Um, And this time, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this image of gold. And it says in the Bible, the image of gold is 90 foot tall, which is like 27 meters tall. It's huge. Um, And he puts out this decree to all the people in Babylon. Here's what it says. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zypher, the lyre, the electric guitar, the drums, the bass guitar, I don't know what those instruments are, so we'll, we'll skip those. As soon as you hear that music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. See, in some senses, it's a new form of the same challenge. They're being encouraged to act in a way that is different to what they believe and different to what they believe God wants for them. But the difference this time is not only does it not honor their God that they believe, but it lifts up somebody else. It's literally bowing to something other than God. And see, the difference in this as well is that there's a punishment attached. That if they don't do this, they could lose their lives. And see... I find it really, really interesting. Now, I know there's been times in my life where I've chosen something other than what I know is best for me. There's times in my life where I've chosen stuff that is other than what God's best is for me. And see, the punishment for those things has not been to the extreme of my life. But see, this is why it's so important to have people around us who can encourage us. People who, when we're faced with choices and decisions and pressures, that they can stand with us and point us back towards the true light. Maybe for some of you that might be goals, that might be morals, that might be dreams. But if you're a Christian, that means having people around you who can point you back towards Jesus, who I believe is the only true light, whether you're a Christian in here or not. I believe that, yes, we can find light in other areas. But Jesus is a true light that can help us in the darkness. And so we need people to help us in the darkness. And so these people, they stand. I don't know how they find the courage to stand up in this moment. Like maybe it's from a bunch of taking the right turn decisions. Or maybe it's from having two other people next to them standing with them who are encouraging them in the darkness. But either way, they're left standing in a moment where they could lose their lives. And so the king, he heats, he heats the furnace, I can't speak today, he heats the furnace seven times hotter and throws the men in the fire bound up 
And see, we've talked about this a few times in church, but here's what it says next. This is what the king's reaction is. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They're unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. See, we believe that friends are so important in times of darkness. But ultimately, one of the most amazing things about Jesus is when we're in the darkness, he is with us. See, it says that he is near to the brokenhearted. And whether you are a Christian or whether you're not a believer of Jesus, then I believe that God is near to you in times of darkness, in times of uncertainty, in times where you don't know exactly where you're going. We can find comfort, yes, by looking at the people around us, but ultimately by looking at God who stands with us in our darkness. He is close to us when we are in darkness. See, the question is this from this point. When you're in the dark, who can walk through with you? Who can walk through with you? That might be other people. That might be recognizing that God is with you in your darkness as well. Um, and so we're going to start building to our last point. Um, back to the youth ministry. So when I was younger... Um, I remember one of the things we do as well. We go on these summer retreats and we go camping for like a week. We still do that with a bunch of our young people as well. It's an awesome time. Um, but when I was a young person, I tried to be a little bit of a rebel. I wasn't, um, but I tried. And so we made this plan that what we were going to do on the last night is me and my mates, we were going to sneak out of our tent and we were going to head into my brother's tent with his mates. And what we were going to do, we were just going to play cards and eat chocolate. Like I felt like such a rebel at the time, but I realized it's not even that, that big a deal. But... I decided we're going to sneak out. So we got all the snacks ready. And so I'm there in my tent. And so I pop my head out of the tent, look around. It's 1 a.m. There's no one there. We're okay. Pop my head back in. So I'm like getting the boys ready. I'm getting psyched up. Hey, it's time to do this. And so I pop my body out. Like I'm up to my torso. Like I'm sticking out the bottom of the tent. People probably thought I was weird if they did see me. Um, but I'm sticking out the tent. Still no one there. Pop back in. Right, lads, this is the time to do it. We're going to sneak into my brother's tent. We're going to play cards. It is going to be the best night of our lives. Okay, so we get ready. Hey, the boys count me in. Three, two, one. I sprint out. I look like some crazy animal running out of the tent. And so suddenly I'm hit by this big beam of light. I'm like stuck. I'm literally a rabbit in headlights. What I didn't realize is my dad, the youth worker, had been sat in his car the whole time. He'd been watching me poke my head out. He'd been watching me poke half of my body out. And he'd been waiting so that when I ran out, he flicks on his headlights full beam and just catches me in the moment. And I'm like freaking out. I just quickly run back in my tent and hide. Um, but what I realized is that just because I didn't see him, it doesn't mean he wasn't there. Just because I didn't see him, it doesn't mean he wasn't there today. Maybe you don't see God in your life. I don't think that means that he isn't there. See, this story that we've been looking at, the life of Daniel, um, there's this next part in the story. We're going to skip a big bunch, but there's this part where there's a new king, and it's a Persian king. The Babylonian empire is fallen, and so there's a Persian king that takes over. And so Daniel is part of that empire now. And so it seems like Daniel just goes from darkness to darkness to darkness, not seeing the Jerusalem that was there at the start. And so now he's under this Persian king. And this Persian king, um, Darius the Great, he has three rulers underneath him, one of those being Daniel. And so Daniel is part of the Persian Empire ruling. And so people don't like that Daniel is so high up because like he's from Jerusalem. He should not be that high up in the empire. And so people don't like that fact. And so they try to catch Daniel out. 
And so there's no way to catch Daniel out because he does what he's told to do. He's leading really well. And so they find a way to catch him out by going to the king. They go to Darius and they say, hey, Darius, we think you are cool. And so Darius is like, yeah, well, to be fair, I am. Um, And so they say to him, hey, for the next 30 days, we don't think anyone should worship or pray to any other god other than King Darius. And so... Daniel, what does he do? He goes away and he prays to his God. And see, the people, they catch Daniel out. And we know what happens next in the story. Um, Because it's a decree, it means it's written down, which means in that time, it wasn't something that you changed your mind on. And so even though Darius loved Daniel, he had to throw Daniel in a den of lions. And so Daniel, he's thrown in the den of lions. It's dark. A stone gets rolled in front of him. There's no escape. It's complete darkness. And so I wonder today if you're in a place where you feel like you're in complete darkness, where it feels like there's no glimmer of light. It feels completely hopeless. See, we can be in places, we can be in mindsets or circumstances where we feel so trapped to a point that we can't see any light or any hope. And see, I'm sorry if you're there today. But I want you to know that you're not alone. There are people here who can stand with you, who can walk alongside you if you're going through that. See, when uh, we lose purpose in our lives, when we lose people who bring hope or purpose or love to us, when we lose a job or a routine, when our mental health stops us from feeling hopeful about the future, when anxiety grips onto us, it feels dark. And I want you to know you're not alone. You're not the only person here today. And see, back to the story, Daniel, every time it gets a little bit lighter, he's straight back into the darkness. And here's what we read about Daniel after he's been in the den overnight. Here's what it says. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, this is the king after trying to find Daniel, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. God sent his angel and he has shut the mouth of the lions so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. And so suddenly there's light. Suddenly the stone is moved out the way and there's light. See, I often read this and think to myself, well, what did he do while he was in the darkness? Like, what did he do? Did he, like, pray? Or does he, like, hide behind a rock and sing to the lions until they fall asleep? Like, what does he do in the darkness? We don't know. But what we do know is that God shows up in the darkness. God shows up and shuts the mouth of the lions. Just because we can't see him, it doesn't mean he isn't there. But I don't think the den is where it started for Daniel. I don't think the den is where it started. We also read this, Daniel 6, verse 10. This is when the decree has been published and before he's thrown in the den. Here's what it says. Now, Daniel, when he learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. See, our last point is this, open a window. Open a window. I want to suggest that when we are in total darkness, you have a window to God. When we are in total darkness, we have a window to God. 
See, this is where it starts for Daniel. Before the den, throughout his life of darkness, we see this trail of light. Because he decides no matter how difficult life gets, no matter how hopeless it seems, no matter how uncertain the future is, his first point of call is going to be to call out to God in prayer because he is the only one who can bring light into the darkness. See, when you're in total darkness, you have a window to God. And see, I find this next part as well really cool. Um, something that blows my mind every time. Remember Jeremiah from the start? The guy who prophesied that all of this was going to happen. It also says this in his prophecy, part of what um, he predicted was going to happen. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Get this last bit. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so here's Daniel, 70 years later, the exact time that Jeremiah had predicted. He hasn't read any of this. And we find him calling out to God, seeking God with his whole heart, opening windows over Jerusalem, praying over his city, over his town. And see, as a result of that, we find that after he's been in the lion's den and he comes out, what the king does is he says, hey, don't worship me anymore. Don't pray to me anymore. Pray to the God of Daniel. As a result, the whole place begins to worship the God of Daniel, the only true God. And see, I wonder today if we could see some light in our darkness that began with seeking God with our whole heart, with everything that we have. Maybe you're new to church or maybe you don't believe in God. Here's something you can do is you can open a window. See, we believe in prayer in this church. Prayer is just a means for, it means we're talking to God. That doesn't have to be out loud. That can be in our heads. We can talk to God whenever we want to do that. And I believe God hears us. And sometimes God talks back. See, we can open a window today, no matter how dark it seems. And so maybe you're thinking to yourself now, okay, Harvey, you spoke a lot. And to be fair, I spoke a bit too much. But when we're in the darkness, maybe you're in a place where you feel like you're in the darkness today. Let me summarize. Here's three things that we can do. The first one, we can ask ourselves, what is the next right turn? Maybe it isn't about finding the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe everything isn't going to get sorted overnight for you, and that's okay. Maybe it's about thinking about what is the next right turn for my life? What is the next right turn? Maybe if you're a Christian, what is the next right turn for my relationship with God? That could be coming back next Sunday. That could be asking someone to pray with you in the prayer room after the service. Whatever that looks like. What is the next right turn for you? The second question we can ask ourselves is who can walk through with you? Maybe you've got some people around you already who are helpful. But if you don't, hey, we want to come alongside you. This is what church is about. And so we can walk through darkness together. And on top of that, it's not just about us, but God is with us in our darkness. He draws near to us when it is difficult and when it is hard. And the last question we can ask ourselves is how can you open a window to God? How can you open a window to God? How can you call out to God over the darkness? 
See, there's this other verse in John 1, verse 4 to 5, and it's talking about the life of Jesus. Here's what it says. In Him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, we believe that there is no darkness that is too dark for Jesus. That in the middle of our darkness, in the middle of our hard times, God is with us and He shows up in light. We just have to ask Him. And so right now, why don't we stand across the place? If you're in a location, you can stand too. If you're watching at home, hey, you can stand or you can chill on your sofa. I don't mind. But see, we believe that Jesus brings light. And so what we're going to do, we're going to listen to a song in a second. The band are going to play. And it's all about the life of Jesus. It talks about how when we are in darkness, Jesus brings light. And it talks about how he did that. See, we believe because of Jesus, we can know God both now and for eternity. That Jesus changes everything. And so while we sing this song, I want you to reflect on those three questions. Yes, but I want you to reflect on Jesus because ultimately, I believe that is the only way we experience life to the full and know what it means to live in the light. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you that in our darkness, in our times of difficulty, in our times where we feel hopeless, God, you give us ways that we can cope. You give us ways that we can uh, come alongside other people that we can take the next right turn. God, I thank you that we can do that, God. But ultimately, I thank you that there is a window open to you. God, that in our darkness, we can seek you and we can find you because you bring light to the darkness. You bring light to broken, difficult situations and you stand alongside us. And I pray today that we would have a revelation of what that means in our life, that it would push us closer to you in our times of darkness. Amen.